we may live you, God, in the world. Amen. Amen. My wedding ring has a story. And it's not the usual one that you would suspect that I'm married to my husband. But it's a story that goes back two generations. This ring was my great-grandmother, Rose's. And there are two sets of her initials inside. The first is for her marriage to my great-grandfather, Ralph Neiman, for whom my father is named. And Ralph died of tuberculosis when my grandfather was preschool-aged. The second set of initials are for her marriage to her second husband, Jim Evans. Now, here's where the connection to my family tree comes to today's gospel. Before Jim married Rose, he was married to her sister, Clara. And before he was married to Clara, he was married to their sister, Edna. That's right, he married all three sisters. Unless <laughs> you think this is some episode of the Housewives of Orange County or a Days of Our Lives drama, it is not. As my dad reminded me, times were different, our family was poor, and people died. And apparently Grandpa Jim used to say, I really like this family. There are some wonderful women in it. <laughs> he felt very cared for by these three sisters. And you see, there is the other connection to today's gospel. Because when we read um, today what the Sadducees bring to Jesus, the Mosaic law from Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, the law that says if a man dies, and when he dies is childless, the brother of the deceased must marry the widow, we kind of turn up our noses. It's unappealing to us. But it is actually a law that is rooted in care. Because a widow with no husband and no children had no access to social and economic systems of the day. She had no option but to live in destitution and poverty. The Mosaic law to marry the next brother and have children with him ensured her a home, a family, ensured life. But the Sadducees, at least in the conversation related in today's gospel, are not focused on this justice-based reason for the law. But instead, they are using it to poke at and probe at questions about the afterlife. Jesus, if a woman marries seven husbands, who's her husband in heaven? Come on now. How can there be resurrection, they say, when you're presented with an insurmountable problem like this one? Jesus replies to the Sadducees by talking about the very nature of God. Like excellent Jewish teachers, both past and present, he roots his reply in Torah. And not just in any moment in the Torah, but the pivotal moment where God reveals God's self to Moses and says, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, Jacob's God. Notice that God didn't say, I was their God. No, he is their God. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
are alive to God, which points to the very nature of God spoken about by Jesus in the last two lines of the Gospel passage. God isn't the God of the living, of the dead, but of the living. To him they are all alive. To God they are all alive. They're all alive because God is outside of time, past, present, future, are all one to God. There are other clues in the text that point to this conclusion, the conclusion that God is outside of our time and understanding. The Sadducees use the number seven, the seven brothers, which ties them to the seven days of creation, the seven days of the week, the things of this world, while Jesus' answer is rooted in the burning bush, the bush that was burning when Moses arrived, burning when he left, and according to Jewish tradition, burns eternally. The Sadducees' question ties them to this world, while Jesus' reply connects him to the eternal and the timeless. God outside of our understanding of our time. At Holy Communion, I routinely see you, you dear people of God, living in to this understanding of God as beyond time, beyond understanding. <coughs> I see it nearly every week as I distribute communion from this table, and you come forward with eyes glistening and chins quivering, full of emotion, with hands extended to receive the Eucharist. When I check in with parishioners later, these moments are often beyond people's capacity to put into words, beyond our understanding. I see living into a God who is beyond time and beyond understanding in a parishioner for whom ritual, what's derisively called smells and bells, is central to his worship. Not because he's rigid or formal, but because the symbols of ritual speak to him of a transcendent God who is beyond our understanding. I heard it when a parishioner shared with me you know, we say, God, I want you to act. I want you to be present. But could you please do it in this way and in this time? Why do we do that, she asked. Why do we bind God to our limited understanding? Why indeed? And yet we do. We humans, particularly our Christian church, continually acts as if God is within our time and within our understanding. And unfortunately, we see that all around us too. We see it when churches say, we understand that God only wants marriage between a man and a woman. Ordination only for heterosexual men. Baptism only at a particular time of life. The Eucharistic table only for certain people. A story from ABC News out of San Antonio perfectly illuminates the misguided notion that we understand God. The news report reads, 
A church turned away eight-year-old Kevin Castro of Floresville, Texas from his first communion because he had cerebral palsy, according to the boy's family. When the Reverend Phil Henning of Sacred Heart denied Kevin his first reception of the Sacrament of Holy Eucharist, Henning said the boy had, quote, the mental capacity of a six-month-old and didn't have sufficient knowledge of Christ to participate in the religious rite, end quote. Sufficient knowledge of Christ. Underlying and implicit in this claim is that he, the priest, that you, that I, because of some IQ, because of some ability on our part, can sufficiently understand Christ. Implicit in it is that we can understand God. How foolish. How foolish. I wish this was an isolated story of a disabled person denied access to the church, but it isn't. I have heard story after story, particularly in my seminary years, of unapproving glances or sharp shh directed at the caregivers of people with special needs as they rock, move, or call out during services. Surveys confirm this. Nearly 50% of, of special needs parents refrain from attending church because their child is not included or welcomed. 50% because we think God is within our time and within our understanding. That we know the ways and the behaviors and the noises that are appropriate to God. At Holy Communion, we want to affirm that God is beyond our time and our understanding. By reaching out to the community of individuals and families with special needs through a liturgy called Rhythms of Grace. There's information about Rhythms of Grace right outside the door, and I'll be happy to hand it to you on your way out. Rhythms of Grace is an alternative ecumenical worship experience that grew out of the Episcopal Church for individuals and families with special needs who don't feel comfortable in a traditional church setting, a place where we can dance and wiggle and draw and rest in the God who is beyond our understanding. In fact, Holy Communion is so devoted to this vision that half of my job description that comes from the vestry is dedicated to researching and possibly launching this community. The journey of these last 10 minutes has led us from my wedding band, a connection to the Sadducees' question about resurrection, to Jesus' reply to them that God is outside of our understanding and time, to examining where we do live into God's transcendence and mystery and where we don't. I can imagine a few ways to faithfully respond to today's gospel. First, wear a ring in the coming weeks, and if you usually do, put it on a different finger or add another one. Use it as a touchstone to recall that God is outside of our time and understanding. Second, pray. Pray for the living and pray for the dead, because they are all alive to God. The prayers that I say now for my grandfather, I am sure 
help him on his battleship in World War II because God is outside of my time. Finally, help build rhythms of grace, a worship service that is open to many ways of experiencing God beyond our understanding. Ways that you can do that are listed in the back of our order of service bulletin, our OSB. Spread the word, it says. Spread the word to individuals. Every one of us here knows someone who has a child or an adult, an individual with differing abilities. Connect them to me. Is this type of Eucharistic community something that they would want to be a part of? Help launch the service through communications, outreach to the community, preparing materials that we'll need. Serve as a Rhythm of Grace volunteer. We will need six volunteers from inside these walls or outside to give a six-month commitment to the community in order to be able to launch. So remember, pray, connect, Three faithful ways to respond to today's gospel that tells us God is beyond our understanding and time. What ways do you imagine responding to the gospel? I can't wait to hear from you and to find out. Amen.